Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, let's go. Another edition of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us wherever you're tuned in this afternoon. Also online at uh, supertalkhattiesburg.com, supertalklaurel.com, supertalksouthwestmississippi.com. We stream the show live there. And then, of course, you can always enjoy the Eagle Hour podcast on Apple, Audible, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or you can just tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Bob Kelly and Luke, we're all in the Southern Bank Course Studios in Hattiesburg and in Laurel, and we're glad you're with us. Sticky's Barbecue opens this segment of the show. They do it every day, and they serve good food every day, and they're a great place to cater your next event. So if catering is on your mind for your business, your home, your church, whatever, maybe a family get-together, maybe Kelly invites us all over to his house the, this weekend and uh, caters it with Dickies. If you do that, I'll definitely come, by the way. That's what it would take to get yeah. you over. To okay, Dick. Hey. All right, uh, lots to talk about today. We've got a great guest. Latrell Pollard is the defensive coordinator at Jones College, and uh, and no stranger to Southern Miss fans, he was the team captain of what is arguably the best Southern Miss team ever. He played nineteen ninety four to nineteen ninety seven. We were reminiscing a little bit, Coach, on the air about that ninety seven team, that great day in uh, Memphis, and how cold those boys from Pittsburgh were by the end of the game. Yes, sir. You know, when, you, when you're getting beat, you kind of feel the weather a lot more than when you're winning. They got beat bad that day, Coach. Yeah. Yeah, they, they asked for it, though. You know, those pretty <laughs> boys and we Mississippi guys. <laughs> they always treat us like we stepchildren, so we had to show them. All right, so you played for the great Jeff Bauer, 94 to 97. So let's ask you, we've asked some of your teammates, the answer is always yes. Was the 97 football team the best Southern Miss football team that ever took the field? The best, easily. What made it so special, Coach Pollard? Well, to me, it was guys were playing for each other. Uh, it was the year after that we had lost to Houston my junior year. And, you know, we said that if we get another opportunity to play the game of football that next season, everybody that uh, we faced, they were going to have to pay the consequences of us losing that ball game, and, and we stuck to it. We said we had some unfinished business, and uh, we finished it. You certainly did. And, Luke, I think you pointed out before on the show that how many how many guys off of that team eventually played in the NFL? I'd have to – Coach, we had that picture of, of everybody in the, uh, the weight room with the, the shirts off, and everybody was old up, and I just started counting, you know, how many guys – during that time period, went went to the NFL, but um, yeah, 
off that team, and I think people need to know this, I would look at Marshant Kenny and say, not so fast. You weren't the best linebacker that year on that 97 team because Latrell Pollard from Bay Springs led the team in tackles. Yeah, that year on defense, when you count the D-line and linebackers and secondary, believe it or not, either the 11 starters, I was the only one that didn't get an NFL shot. I went straight to coaching. So that's at least 10, not even oh, counting Ty Trahan, which didn't start. He got a, a camp invite, and counting the guys on offense, where you had Sherrod, uh, Todd, Lester Pope, Terry Hardy, Harold Shaw. You know, it, it's you can just start naming them. It's a bunch. Well, of, he, I would say at least 15 to 16 guys off that team. DJ. Some form NFL. All those, yeah. DJ. All those guys. Yeah, yeah, it's a bunch. Man, that's crazy. Davis on that team, uh, DeQuincy Scott, John Nick, Darryl Stewart, Sid Scott. Coach, that can't ever happen again, can it? I mean, that, that's just – It hasn't happened again. No. I, I would think – The internet – Go ahead, I'm sorry, sir. The, inter- the internet has messed that up. You know, it's no longer hiding up under the rock and, you know, Southern is going to find this guy in a little small town of – uh, Bassville or going to Mobile in one of those small areas because of, you know, the internet now has blown up. There's no secrets no more. Yeah, you know, Reggie Collier told us one time that the toughest games he ever played in were practice because because the defensive guys were after him in practice. I got to believe when when a team like that had the pads on and you guys were really getting after it, practice could be an adventure. It was. It was an adventure. It was a lot of fights. Because we were so competitive on both sides of the ball. And, you know, the offense was trying to act like they were trying to grow up and score points. And so, in defensive, we you know we weren't going to let nobody take over. We were the king of campus when you play defense. So, it was a lot of lot of tough days out there in the heat. And that's what made us a good team. Saturdays was a lot easier than doing a week practice. Coach Latrell Pollard is with us here on the Eagle Hour on this uh, this Tuesday, August 1st. Gosh, we're into August now, officially. Coach, your son, Ty Pollard, who prepped at Oak Grove, a redshirt uh, freshman offensive lineman at, at Southern Miss, on the depth chart. How do, you, how do you change hats from being Coach Pollard to being Dad Pollard uh, and advising well, Ty in his football career whatnot? Well, you actually – calling the name of my first son that played at Southern. Ah, Miss, sorry that, about that. Graduated there. That's all right. Yeah. You talking about uh, Claiborne, which is my youngest son. You know, me and him been talking this morning. Uh, you know, they report today. They got to be there at 3 o'clock. And, you know, we always talk about my first camp, which this is his second camp, and his brother reporting the camp. And this past weekend, we were sitting around. And he was going to go see a bunch of his friends. I said, yep, because it's all over with after this weekend. And he said, yeah, Dad, it's all over with to be something. I said, yep. And so it's – I enjoy it. You know, I just tell him to relax, be who he is, and understand this. It's a business. It's a business. And uh, one thing you can control is how hard you how hard you practice. Don't let nobody call me and say you ain't practicing hard. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Other than that, go have fun. How do you how do you think that the particularly the offensive line position? I wonder how the position is approached today any differently technique or skill wise than it was back in the nineties. 
Well, I think the guys are probably a little more athletic because of the style of offense that uh, everybody's playing now. That you got to be light on your feet. You got to be able to get, play guys in space. D linemen uh, are running a lot faster because of the offenses. So I think that's probably the biggest difference. I think they're a better athlete now than they were back then. You know, and I think bigger kids as they grow up. You know, everybody says, oh, these guys are, are teddy bears. But lots of times it's because when they are so big and they even just try to be playful a little bit, people accuse them of being bullies. And <laughs> they're not being bullies. They're just bigger than everybody else. So consequently, lots of times they're a little bit more reserved than they need to be when they get up at, at the college level. You know what I mean? So, so you almost have to coach them to be a lot more aggressive than might be in their DNA. Have you found that to ever be the case? Yeah, you do. You know, because they in, in high school they they be much uh, so much bigger than everybody else. Primarily in high school, where you don't have to be as nasty or go go a hundred miles per hour. But when you get in college, that D lineman is is just as big or you know just as strong. So you have to learn that your motor has to go a lot faster and quite often. And so that's the biggest difference with with big guys, big offensive linemen. And I wanted to ask you, one of the final questions I have for you is now with the transfer portal, which has been, so much has been made of that the last couple of years, you've been coaching at Jones, who is traditionally one of the strongest teams in the in the uh, Mississippi, in the MACCC. How has the transfer portal affected the recruiting of junior college players, generally speaking, and particularly in Mississippi? Well, it's kind of hurt the power five offer that you would normally get out of a junior college kids, you know, now you have to be truly, truly elite to keep them from going into the portal. Now the group of five, the group of five programs are getting a really, really good junior college player that they wouldn't get uh, before the portal got here that everybody else was signing. So the group of five is getting a better quality of football player out of junior college. So it just gets better and better for the rich. Isn't that right? Coach Pollard? It always does. Yeah, and uh, schools does. like Southern Miss just have to earn everything they get. I bet you had to earn everything you got back in your day as well. That hadn't changed, you, right? No, no, that hadn't changed. And that my work ethic and the way I go about things is all about my work. If I didn't work for it, I, I don't expect to get it. Yeah. Coach, can you stick around another segment? We'd love to continue the conversation with you. Yes, sir. I'll be here. All right. Former USM great Latrell Pollard, now defensive coordinator for Jones College on the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Hey, quickly remind you about new Icon carts from Noel Daniels Motor Company. You can get them delivered anywhere in the state of Mississippi for just $99. They carry electric vehicles for all your needs around the neighborhood, the farm, or even the golf course. Remember, they'll deliver it right here in Hattiesburg or wherever you're hearing the Eagle Hour for just $99. Tell your phone, take me to the Noel Daniels Motor Company in Brandon. Or shop them online at noeldaniels.cars. More with Coach Latrell Pollard right after this.
tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. All right, everybody, welcome back. Glad you're with us this afternoon. And uh, Campus Bookmart sponsors this segment of the show. Great, great selection of apparel on Hardy Street. Uh, please don't walk in Campus Bookmart without telling Miss Kathleen that uh, the guys from Eagle Hour said hello and uh, that we love her and uh, we appreciate all she does. She's a fabulous lady at Campus Bookmart. We're talking to Latrell Pollard, former Southern Miss Great, now defensive coordinator at Jones College. Before I throw Luke back on you, Coach, I I got to ask you this: Back when the Beatles were still on tour, Kelly was the track star at uh, at uh, Iowa State, and I played uh, a couple of years of football at uh, Holmes Junior College. And the first time I ever got on the field was against Jones College, and I realized almost after the first play that it was a big step from high school football to JUCO football in Mississippi. It was rough and tumble, and it still is today, isn't it, Coach? What has made junior college football in Mississippi such a great sport for such a long time? Well, uh, it's a job interview on Thursday nights. Those, those guys are trying to get to the Southern Miss, the Mississippi State, the old Miss, the Alabamas. You know, in college football, for the most part, when you go to a Division One school, you at you know you the spot where you're going to be at. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, like I tell these guys, every Thursday night you're filling out a job application. Now, how well you fill out the application is going to be how well your scholarship be. And so them guys are working to get out of these dorms. They're working to get out of these community colleges. They want to live that life that they see every Saturday that those guys are doing. And now that the NIL is out there, now they're chasing money. Yeah. So it, it's just like being – trying to get an NFL for those guys. Right, right. Luke, back in here with Coach Pollard. Golden Eagles report today. We'll start practice uh, tomorrow. Coach uh, Coach Pollard, Van Hall meant so much uh, to you as a player. And then as a coach during two days, you'd come up there and blow the air horn at us at 515 and beat on the doors. But, you know, Van Hall back in the day was was a rite of passage. And, and what, did that, what did that mean to you and the brotherhood inside of it? Well, we knew, you know, living in Van Hall, like I spoke with this about last week, those guys in Van Hall, that was your brothers. Whether they were blood brothers or not, you grew up to learn to uh, to cherish each moment there. And when I had the opportunity to blow that horn, because I used to lay in them beds and had that horn blown at me. <laughs> so when I got a chance to blow that horn, you know, I, I always thought about OB when I blew it. And it was just fun to just get in somebody's ear and just start blowing that horn because I know how it felt to be on the other side. Well, Coach Hall never give me one, but I, I, one day I would I would relish just one morning feeling what you felt on that. So um, <laughs> after your playing days at, at Southern Miss, turn around and coach the Eagles again. I did want to ask you about this. It just blew my mind. When you were coaching me up in, uh, in the special teams, and, of course, your, your, your first uh, responsibility was the linebackers, three years in a row you coached the Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year with Rod and Michael Bowley and then, and then Kevis Coley. Those were your guys, and, and linebacker is a big part of this year's team. But, I mean, just carrying on from the late 90s into when you were coaching that position, I mean, it was just some studs year in and year out. It was. And, you know, Kevin Colet, he only started his senior year because of the Rod Davis, the Michael Bowler. Antoine Cash was actually in that group as well. So to have that position three years in a row, you know, I really didn't have to coach. I just made sure that they came to practice 
you know, stay out of Coach Bauer's way, not get in trouble, stay out of Coach Nick's way. And so get to Thursday. I mean, get to Saturday. And so with those guys, they was unbelievable, talented, but they also were good people, and that made it even easier for me to coach. When, of course, you were under Tyrone Nix, and, and now you've been defensive coordinator several stops and doing a great job at, at Jones, how much of the original – I know it's evolved, but how much of the original Womack Thompson um, Knicks formula is is still part of your thinking? Does it ever go away? That original, you know, mid '90s Southern Miss swarming defense. Sixty, I would say, sixty to seventy-five percent of what we do now is either I played in it, I coached in it, and then I just grew the other twenty-five percent on just keeping advanced. You know, you don't ever want to get behind. But the core of what we do is the core of what I would believe in under Coach Thompson and what those that package that they put together that I played in because I truly believe in. Kelly, Coach, I wanted to talk, as we continue our discussion with Coach Latrell Pollard at uh, from Jones College, former Southern Miss great. Uh, a lot of people might not might not know this, but. Because when they look at you, they would think that you played football, but you were also quite a baseball player. And your folks, as you have told us, your folks actually wanted you to play baseball. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, baseball was my first love, and uh, I played it. I actually had two tryouts coming out of high school. My my senior year, I tried out with the Toronto Blue Jays. And the Cincinnati Reds actually came to Stringer, Mississippi. And I still got the wood back that I busted that day with the Reds. But I loved it. You know, I was probably one of few people that played in the All-Star game in Mississippi in baseball and football. And uh, me and Heath Graham are the only two that I know that done it. Because Heath was a good baseball player as well as a football player. The slinger and, from Stringer, Heath Graham. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he, was, he was the great ahead of me. And I still like it. You know, my son, uh, Claiborne, played at Oak Grove until his senior year, and he gave it up. And, I, you know, he's still playing softball now. I go out there and swing it, playing a little softball. It's just in me, and I, and I love it. And some days I miss it, but I do believe I chose the right path because my mentality when they made it as a baseball coach. You know, those guys, they they, they not made for the mindset that I have. And so I'm happy that I chose football. <laughs> but what, this but, is this is the part of the show where we insert that not only the preeminent baseball program, but the preeminent high school in Jasper County is Stringer, not Bay Springs. We say that to Hill Denson, right, Coach Pollard? We just remind Coach Denson of that. Oh yeah, it's Stringer. It's, well, it ain't no doubt. It's Stringer High School, not Bay Springs High School. Stringer. Well, when, when you had to make that decision between baseball and football in high school, Coach, what 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 tilted the scales toward football more than more than just the mentality? Well, the, when I played as a when I played as a true freshman and at football, I was gonna go out there and just play baseball. You know, you think you can still play two sports, and that. some people can't. But much as I played as a freshman and in, in uh, college that year, my first year, my body was tired, and I told my mom and dad, I physically can't do it no more. I said I can't do it, and so they understood. They seen the difference in the hours that I was having to put in compared to the hours that we put in in high school, and said they said, "Okay, son, go play football. We enjoyed it, and you know, let's not look back." She said, "You know, my mom said, don't have no regrets when you do this. 
we're not going to talk about it again, and we're not going to bring it up. And I said, yes, ma'am, and we went on from that point. That's good stuff, Coach. So uh, put in perspective for people that haven't played, at the end of a long football season, and you play in a position like you do, you did, high-impact position, how, how do you feel at the end? It's interesting you said my body was tired. What, what do you mean by that? Well, especially back then when we played, it was more of a running. You know, the fullback was in play. You know, you don't see fullbacks on teams now. And so playing linebacker, you always run into the fullback. The fullback on most offenses are the, probably the dumbest kid on offense, so they don't they just run into walls. They just try to hurt people. And so, That's uh, Latrell Pollard, folks. We'll get you his address. You fullbacks especially. We'll give you his forwarding address. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, they just run into people for a living. You know, I, I, they like UFC fighters. You know, UFC fighter ain't got many sense. So that's what a fullback is. And so when you're doing that 11 or 12 games and you're doing it in practice, because we had one in practice, old Brad Hamilton, I can still remember him. And so when you're doing that over and over, you just your shoulders, your legs, they're just physically tired. And when it's over with, you want to break. Yeah. You want to break physically because Coach Bow will go have you back in that weight room come January and you go do it all over again the whole year. <laughs> no sympathy from Coach Bauer. Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, the great fullback Lorenzo Neal. We'll be, if we run into him, we'll say, Latrell Pollard said, You guys are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> they are, I promise you. They probably can't remember they played fullback. They probably all got a problem. <laughs> Well, he's digging that hole deeper, isn't he? Oh man, coach! Coach, about thirty seconds left. What's your uh, what's your Bobcats gonna look like this year on your side of the ball? Well, look, we gonna be young, probably the best D line group uh, depth wise I've had since I've been here. And you know, like any good defense, if you got D line, you can go play. I still got Cedric Beals that's coming back at corner. That's got you know Ole Miss, Southern Miss, Troy office from Taylorsville, Mississippi. So I'm excited going to be another challenge, but I'm ready to roll. Coach, it's been a great pleasure having you on the show. One of the best uh, interviews we've had in some time. We really appreciate it, sir, and uh, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck over there at Jones this year. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. The great Latrell Pollard. Quote of the week, fullbacks, dumbest guys on the team. See, and I didn't realize that. <laughs> I, I, I've i never known a lot about football, but I sure uh, didn't know that. Well, and you, so, you know now, right? I, but I'm not going to tell them. No, no. We'll be right back. <laughs> To the, top. to the top, you're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. I want to thank 4th Street Bar Grill, Slade, all the guys down there. Man, we thank the world of them. Great place. We always enjoy it when we're there. And tonight is service industry night, you know, where they, a lot of the other servers and bartenders that work at different places in town, you know, they'll, they'll close their restaurants at, you know, 8 o'clock or so. And then all of those bartenders and servers 
are saluted at 4th Street, where they get to go, and they, they're the stars there. Well, Slade, if you're listening, feel free to invite us back down. We'd love to come do the show. We'd really like to do it on a Friday. I don't know why it would be Friday, but we would... Uh, You'd like it on Friday, because that's Catfish we Friday. We would uh, always be glad to come down, Slade. 4th Street Bar and Grill, right in the shadow of the rock. Also want to thank our... Uh, our good friends over at Mobay Beignet Company on Hardy Street. We th- we thank the world of that young couple that uh, that owns that fine establishment. And it, you you go have yourself a catfish lunch at Four Street. Go right across. Take you five minutes to get there and have the best dessert you're going to have anywhere in town with those delicious beignets. They make them when you order them, and they've always got a great topping and covered. And powdered sugar, man, oh man, Mo Baby The Rick James Excellent. special. I may have to make a trip up there tonight, now that I'm thinking about <laughs> All right, let's open up an old can of worms here. We were talking to Latrell Pollard, and we we're kind of reminiscing about all the great years of Southern Miss football. And I, I look back on them, and I think of them as the glory years. My wife and I are fortunate enough to that we started college here during the Bobby Collins, you know, I believe era, and we just bought in hook, line, and sinker, and we became massive fans of Jim Carmody, and then – Jeff Bauer, who led the team to 16 bowl games. We talked to so many, so many former great players like Latrell Pollard. Ten guys off the defensive 97 team play in the National Football League. And, uh, and uh, Kelly, you ask, you ask a great question. Go ahead. Well, when, when you look, when you talk, and we've had players from, you know, long time ago that you know played for coach bauer you hear nothing but glowing reports from all of these guys about coach bauer you look at the statistics of bowl games won uh championships won in the conferences graduation rate percentage the list goes on and on of all the great accomplishments and i just and it's been a while okay i don't remember everything but i asked the question so would somebody remind me why the administration felt that Jeff Bauer was no longer doing the job and a change needed to be made? I don't have the answer to that, Luke. You you played for Coach Bauer. What's your answer? I mean, there's no excuse for it, and I told you guys off air, it was one of the darkest days up to that point. You know, I was only 24 years old, been out of football for two years. Um, but, I mean, I would, to this day, go to war with Jeff Bauer anywhere. Anyone, anytime, pun intended. Um, when, when, I, I, Luke, I think, when you got the news, when you got the news, do you remember how you reacted? So I can't, I was hearing I was hearing chatter. Okay, and I just called him, and he answered, and he told me what happened, and he told me that you know he, obviously he wasn't being you know he wasn't fired. He, he didn't use that word. That he got into there with a meeting with the athletic director, and it was pretty obvious that his time at Southern Miss as the head coach was was finished and. You know, I'm sure there was, you know, boosters or, or people putting uh, pressure on him for whatever reason. But I mean, there's no excuse. It's a dark day. Uh, I remember that afternoon hanging up the phone, or right before I hung up the phone, told him I loved him. He told me he loved me. And, you know, and I just go to war with the guy. I, I think under, you, you got to understand how that season went. And you got to remember this was, this was still under the uh, BCS model. And we had played Utah in 03. And then Utah had won the Fiesta in 04. Boise was making noise. And, both, of course, both of those teams were, were mid-majors at the time. And so there were people in Hattiesburg that thought that Southern Miss should be that way. And, you know, at the same time, not, not realizing that Coach Bauer, for every dollar in the program, he probably um, was able to get $100 out of that. And 
never really took a raise. Even to the day, I mean, guys, he was making two hundred seventy-five thousand, I think, maybe two fifty, two seventy-five at the end. He was the greatest value ever. You look at that season. I felt like people got disappointed. And Bob, we were talking about this—the Rice game in early October. It was a it was a Wednesday game. We lost to Memphis also, but you're still in that season seven and five, right? Um, and he wins what would be his last game in the Rock against Arkansas State, and then they announce it. And you know what Jeff Bauer does because this is how great a guy he was. He stayed around and coached the bowl game for his players. It was That's for right. his players. That's right. Coached the the Birmingham Bowl uh, against Cincinnati, and I, I just yep. to this day it was one of the worst days, worst decisions. When a man is invested in your program that much, you let him go out on his own terms. There are a million Jeff it. Bauer stories, but let me quickly tell you this one: My son and I flew to Houston. The, Coach Pollard referenced the championship game against Houston. The Golden Eagles lost it in overtime right at the half-yard line, right? Maybe a double overtime as I think back. It it was a long, exhilarating game. Uh, So we're out there, and, of course, we're crushed. You know, we just lost the championship game in overtime at the half-yard line. And my son was uh, probably, I don't know, 11 or 12. I don't know exactly how old he was. But anyway, we we hung around. And uh, I was going to introduce him to Coach Bauer after the game, right? Started to have kind of second thoughts because of, you know, the loss. But we stuck around. He he didn't want to go. Coach Bauer comes out, clearly disappointed. Uh, and when I approach him and introduce my son, he kneels down. He talks to him. He's just as kind as he could be. Just as kind as he could be. And But I, but I, I, I was reinforced, Luke, that night with something that I had always believed about Jeff Bauer is that he was part of the family. And he hurt just like we hurt when we lost games. He rejoiced just like we rejoiced when we won game. He was just part of the heritage, Luke, of Southern Miss. And I think he helped lay take that family culture to a, to the next level. Because that's what... So playing for him, the first three years you would play for him, you would be like halfway scared to death around him because of the way he carried himself. And then midway through your third year, you would say, this dude really like loves me and cares about me. And by the time you were a senior, I mean, and it was the way that he carried himself intentionally. And he, he, he demanded excellence, but you just noticed over the years how much grace he had actually showed you and how he brought you along. And probably one of the greatest honors of my life is when, in a team meeting at the end of the 03 season, between after we won the championship, Liberty Bowl, you know, he, 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 he gave me a full scholarship and uh, gave me a signed autograph ball by the team and then stuck with me. I mean, he would come up, you know, you, you, uh, you, you hit a punt that's good, the head coach comes up and thanks you. I dropped a snap one time. He came up and told me, hey, shake that off. You're going to help us win this game. And I had a good play later on. But, I mean, at, at every time, he would display confidence in you, and the more that you played for him, your love for him grew and grew and grew where I say what I just said ago. I would still do anything for the man to this day. And so what's great is when you're walking in the roost now, Bob, back to that point. He's out there in the roost most baseball games. Right. He's at basketball games. Right. He's at football games. And the, one of the most beautiful things has been to see the, the mending of the relationship where people recognize what certain people, not the university, but what certain people did to him. And 
brought him back and you know named the athletic or the academic center after him and and do well. So I'm so thankful for that, um, and and I'm so thankful that. He, the university, you know, is, is his again. Completely agree. I was, I was in television at the time at uh, DAM in, in Hattiesburg, and one of the things you're always taught in journalism school is don't get emotionally attached to the people that you have to cover because sometimes it's not going to be positive news that you have an obligation to report. Never had those, you know, stories with Jeff Bauer that I can recall. But one of the things that, that really did hurt me uh, is that I, I just felt like he was betrayed. When when Jeff Bauer had opportunities to betray the university. He did not. He did not. He had a chance to go to Wyoming to be the head coach at Wyoming, and I think for a, a, a slight pay raise. I understand why he didn't go. But then if memory serves, he had a chance to go to TCU, and that would have been a big-time move. And he turned that down. And there there could be some other jobs, too. There was, he, talk, there was talk of the Georgia job. The Georgia job did. He was in discussions for the Georgia. But at every situation, he wanted to, he wanted to coach us. And right. you, would, you would see back to, you know, all the time. And this, he was kind of ahead of the curve on this. Now you hear about guys talking about, you know, your, your, your families matter. Man, wives and kids were always welcome at practice. And I, I grew up, all these, you know, all the Pollard sons that are huge now, I remember when they were little kids. Ty Nix's kids were one of the meanest dudes on the planet when he was a little kid. But they were always around. And they were, and Coach Bauer welcomed that. And that's the, the type of family culture that he had. And so, you know, for those of us that, that were a part of that, that, that's why that day hurt. Right. So, as much as it hurt, I'm thankful that it's not that way anymore. Here's the good news. The good news is we have a football coach here now that loves this university. Uh, man, he's a he's a glove fit. He's a hardworking, uh, you know, regular guy. He's friendly. He's open. He's accessible. And he's doing a heck of a job. So uh, and, and Jeff he Bauer, loves Jeff Bauer, and he is right. tight with Jeff Bauer. And Jeff Bauer's absence, we have. A great man leading the football program now. And and as Coach Hall has said not once, maybe a hundred times, the good Lord loves the Golden Eagles. Absolutely. And Miss Rebecca. <laughs> she doesn't like Phil, but she loves the Golden Eagles. We'll be back. Final segment, as always, brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training. It is hot outside, but it's cool inside at DBAT and D1. Eight baseball and softball pitching machines, 70-yard indoor turf facility, weight room, pro shop, all of it's there, DBAT and D1, dbathattiesburg.com. Luke, Bob, and Kelly from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. If you missed the first half of the show, great interview with uh, Jones College Associate Head Coach, Defensive Coordinator Latrell Pollard, who, of course, played and coached uh, for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. And a great opportunity uh, for us to visit with him. You can go back and check that out on demand at supertalk.fm or 
in a podcast form, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Audible, or you can just ask Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Um, big big news today for uh, for Southern Miss cross country and track and field. Caitlin Cartwright out of Hernando has been nominated by the Sun Belt Conference for the 2023 NCAA Woman of the Year Award. Both Cartwright and Macy Mayjoy from Marshall are the two nominees from the Sun Belt Conference. Commissioner Gill putting uh, that out today. And, of course, uh, Cartwright was uh, a member of the cross-country Sunbelt Championship team last year. So congratulations to her, and uh, that process will go, and the NCAA will begin the selection process of that. So Caitlin Cartwright, nominee for the 2023 NCAA Woman of the Year. I thought it was interesting earlier uh, talking to, to Latrell Pollard. Nowadays, guys, even, you know, it's been almost 20 years um, since, I'm sorry, 30 years since he played, um, but, you know, 20 years since he was a part of that, that Tyrone Nix defensive coordinator staff. He said 65 to 70% of what he runs at Jones now goes back and is a part of, of what John Thompson taught them. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that, that just shows you, and, and this is another for us to discuss maybe another day too, why that defense – Last that 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 scheme was so amazing in the mid '90s, and how it it continued, you know, through the time I played, and even nowadays, yeah. it it was so revolutionary at the time. It still makes impact. Uh, I thought that was fascinating. Defensive football used to be so electric. I, I can remember that, you know, the, the 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 defensive team would just come on the field and the stands would go crazy. People on their feet came to watch the defense play. With all due respect to Lee Roberts and guys that we love that played offensive football, obviously, at Southern Miss, you came to watch that nasty, tenacious defense. And speaking of that, Kelly Sander, football practice starts tomorrow. I'm looking here at the computer screen, and I have eight interviews starting tomorrow. We'll start with them. You've interviewed eight coaches from the Sunbelt Football Conference, so a Kind of set the table for that. We, we talked to all of the coaches in the Western Division, of course, that the Eagles will face, and the two in the East, which are, are Appalachian State and Old Dominion, the coaches from those two teams, what they expect to see from Southern Miss this year and what they expect out of their own teams and where they, where they were slotted in their respective votes, you know, in the Eastern Division and, and Western Division. And... You know they're all they're all kind of saying the same thing that that really their their thoughts of the top four teams in the West, which includes Southern Miss, is that you really could throw a blanket over all four of them and and you never know how it's going to come out. For example, last year Troy was picked to finish either third or fourth in most of the preseason polls in the West, and all they did was win the whole stinking thing. Right. So and again with the Eagles having won seven games last year without a quote unquote quarterback. You know, if if they can find one that they can keep healthy, protect, and have good performances, you know, it's it's hard to hard to argue right. that the Eagles can't be in that mix. So we'll start that tomorrow along with our good friend Patrick McGee, and I, I say we start with our most beloved rival, guys. We'll take a, you guys can override me here, but could we kick uh, it off that, with Kane Womack? That's the relational connection. Yeah. That, that's because Kelly, you know, the 10 wins last year from the Jags, Kelly claims credit for it. He, yeah. he developed that leadership. Are you potential. good with that, Luke? We start uh, we, with we, Kane Womack. Well, we should say let's start with a golden eagle 
even though he is mm-hmm. misguided right now in Mobile. He's a Golden Eagle, so we might right. as well start with a Golden Eagle. Kane Womack on the Super Talk Eagle Hour tomorrow. Always, once an Eagle, always an Eagle. Yeah, as Luke says, misguided, but it's amazing when somebody will fill out a check with a bunch of zeros on the end of it. How, how, how misguided one can... you can become. <laughs> So when you interviewed the uh, coach from Appalachian State, did you refer to him as Crap State, as you've often done here on the show? No, but I will tell you this: some of the players that were there, they came up to they came up to me and they saw my Southern Miss shirt. I had to put the Southern Miss shirt on over my Megadeth T-shirt that I normally wear. Correct, right. you know. Um, and they and they said, "Hey, uh, we have a question." I said, "I said, what's up?" And they go, "Do you guys really call your stadium the Rock? Because you know we that's our moniker. We should sue them." And um, yeah, since like 1990, they've done that. Or but uh, we'll we'll get them to correct the record. But the rock. What, 1937, guys. Right. So uh, uh, so yeah. they said, where where do you where do you get off calling your stadium the rock when we call ours the rock? Well, let's see when we play them. Right? And, and I said, look, you're six eight three fifty. I don't I don't get off anywhere. Okay? <laughs> I'm getting off right now. Like going back to my room. <laughs> That's right. No, just do it. Do what my dad always says. Just look at him and said, I've never had my booty whipped. And then just turn around and walk away. And I know what I said was, is I guess when we play you guys there in November or we'll whatever, settle it then. that's right. That's right. All right. Kane Womack and Patrick McGee on the Eagle Hour tomorrow. We'll also be at practice and uh, we'll start bringing you some kids on the show this week. Until tomorrow, Southern Miss to the top. Into the Talk Mississippi Media Production.